Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. You're about to listen to an interview with one of the teachers from Seekers Hub Global. This is part of a series that we're calling Learn to Live, where we'll be exploring the journey of the student of knowledge by speaking with the teachers and the students who are traveling that path. We'll explore what inspired them to pursue the path of knowledge. We'll chronicle some of their stories and experiences along the way, and we'll ask them to share with us their best advice for the students of today. To learn more about our teachers, you can visit seekershub.org slash teachers. With that, let's get on with the interview. Sheikh Farad, tell us why you decided to pursue Islamic studies. It was a long journey because one of the things my parents did from, from when I was very small was that they always prioritized reading. And growing up, it was sometimes annoying because I'd want to get some some game, wanted to get a bike, etc. And they wouldn't deny me those things, but they'd always prioritize books over them. And that and that that led to always, you know, having a sort of a reflective approach uh, to to life. And I also traveled, lived all over the world. You know, growing up, lived in many different countries. So one of the underlying questions that throughout my teen years and then entering university came to mind was. Who am I? Who am I? And in that, the realization came that the that while there there are multiple identities that I could uh, connect with, being Canadian, being of Pakistani origin, being of Indian roots, etc. Ultimately, it's that I, I am Muslim. But then that would raise the question: If I am Muslim, then what does that entail? And I was very intrigued by that. And there's a number of scholars whom I ran into over the years who deeply impressed me by not so much their knowledge initially, but by their comportment. Initially, Sheikh, Abdul Hakim, uh, Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick, Sheikh Faisal Abdul Razak, Sheikh Muhammad Zahid, particularly after that, Sheikh Talal Ahdab, may Allah preserve them all. And it was clear that this was something that was needed. And I... And I had been involved in activism for a long time, and it was clear that the the most urgent activism in our community is religious activism, right? Rationally, but also according to what I was learning of the religion, and that there was not enough uh, dedication in our community to to the path of learning. So that's what got me on the path of seeking knowledge. Only because this seems to be a a highly contested term. Can I ask you to define what you mean by religious activism? Um, religious activism, yeah, it's a confounding term in that there's a difference, I think, between a Muslim being an activist, right? Because they, and they identify as a Muslim, right? This, I am Muslim, these are our rights, etc. And what in um, activist circles, you could call faith-based activism. Someone who, though Muslim, um, approaches their activism on the basis of what their faith entails, of what their religious tradition entails, what prophetic guidance entails. And I think that's one of the great, grave dangers that we have to be careful about. The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, cautioned that you will follow the ways of those before you, such as the, the Jews and the Christians step by step, right? Such that if they were to fall into 
a hole, you would jump into it as well. And we have to be careful in that in both communities we see that there is a risk of activism that is based on identity rather than faith and religion. And we as a community have to be very careful about that. Take us back to the early days as a student you know, before Sheikh Faraz Rabani was Sheikh Faraz Rabani. What were some of your formative experiences as a student? Well, one of the things that looking back now, you know, you know, teaching people that I realize is that one has to keep in mind that the journey is long. I look back at so many embarrassing things and how patient my teachers were, how long it took us to get things. I remember Sheikh Zahir Bakis and I skipping multiple classes during a deen intensive we went to in order to grab lunch because they were serving organic food in 1995. And, you know, Sheikh Zahir mumbling, life, well, he wasn't Sheikh Zahir then, the life's too short <laughs> to skip meat, you know. And, you know, but that's one of the important things, that we don't rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't rely on ourselves, on our success, but rather... We place our hope in Allah and we, we keep trying to do our best as best we can, right? And and knowledge is something that should be a life commitment for people. Um, it's very important also to be in consultation with people who care, right? People who will keep giving one sincere advice. And that was, uh, you know, for me, one of the most transformative experiences in my life was we wanted to go to a deen intensive in 95, a number of us amongst them, uh, Sheikh Zahir Azhar Usman was ended up being at that deen intensive too. And we couldn't go. But one of our community leaders here in Toronto, Usad Nazim Baksh, who lived way outside the city, you needed a car if you lived in Pickering Ajax at that time. And he gave us his car for 10 days. During his, um, you know, he, he was on break from work. So pre- pretty much stranded at home in the middle of winter so that we could make it to um, this um, intensive. So we benefited tremendously from that time with those scholars, but also the, that spirit of sacrifice that um, you know Saad Nazim exemplified there was itself deeply inspiring. Of course, he he made one condition on that trip, which which was that uh, I'll give you guys my car on one condition, which is that Faraz can't drive. And I, at that time, I did have my license. Um, so that that's one of the those inspiring. Example. The other thing, just to keep in mind, if I look back at who was active in the community you know, 20 plus years ago, is that many of those community leaders are still active. Very often we notice the shortcomings of our elders. And this applies to our parents too. But many of these people, 25 years later, they're still, and some of them have been, had been active for a long time before. Some of them are now been active in the community 50 plus years. And they're still serving. And for a lot of younger people, um, you know, they get involved in MSA and then they get busy with life. They get involved in some organization and say, but now I have to focus on my career. But that spirit of sacrifice, if I look back, that's really something that's you know, deep, uh, deeply inspiring. Tell us your, your favorite story that um, could be something from your teachers or an experience that you had as a student. What's the one story that stands out to you from, from all those years? I mean, there's there's many. Um, you know, the, the the scholars say that wh- whoever doesn't benefit from the silence of their teachers cannot benefit from their words 
or will fail to benefit from their words. And there's a number of older scholars whose example really um, deeply moved me in terms of you know the spirit of care of rahmah. You know, just one of those examples being Sheikh Adib Kallas. Um, he was in in his eighties, but his humility with students was incredible. This is this one of the senior most scholars of of Hanafi fiqh in the world, not just in Damascus or Syria. But he would treat he would behave with his students like he was their servant, right? And you know, once we and he lived three floors under the ground, right? but on a hill. So went to his house, and normally after Fajr, people would come with the, the text they would read, and they'd read for 15-20 minutes, and the next person would read. That morning, unusually, there was no one there except for, for an old woman and Sheikh Adib's wife, because he was reading um, fiqh, and this was the daughter of one of his teachers. So she finished her reading, and it was actually on the fiqh of funerals. And she went. And I'm looking around, there's no other student there. So I read with the sheikh, and we read longer than normal because there was no other students came. And I was really surprised, because some of them were not of the kind of students who would miss a class. When I was done, I greeted the sheikh, asked him, you know, after asking for advice, and I left. When I, went to, when I was about to leave the building, I noticed there's an obituary notice at the at the wall besides the entrance and his younger brother had passed away the night before and the funeral was after Dhuhr but after sunrise the sheikh was still teaching right and that spirit of giving right of selflessness was something that was was deeply moving and the examples of that are are many and one of the insights for me from that was that it's all important to always be remain connected with people one can look up to Right? Uh, because they, they, it serves as practical reminders of the, the theory that we um, read in books. That's why the scholars say that knowledge is not in, in lines, it is in chests. So we have to strive to live our knowledge, but what facilitates living that knowledge is to connect with people in whose lives, in whose examples, in whose character and concern, that knowledge is alive, so that we too can learn to live. What was it like to make the transition from student to teacher? Um, I didn't plan to transition from, as, uh, for, uh, from student to teacher. Um, I was ordered to start teaching some, some people by, by some of my teachers. Um, so I did. Um, I didn't think I was ready. said, well... Just teach them out of a sense of service. Then I started answering a few people's questions, and I asked permission to stop that, because many people started asking questions. Um, but I was told I had to continue. And as the answer service grew, for example, in those early days, I kept in contact with my teachers, and I felt I wasn't ready. But they said, no, do it out of a sense of service. Um, focus on spreading benefit. Beware of promoting self. Um, and so that facilitated, I think, the transition. And it's important for anyone, whether you're a, you know, you're a student of knowledge who's now beginning to teach, or you're an activist who is beginning to get into positions of leadership or prominence, or you're getting media attention. It's always important to remain closely connected, meaningfully, 
to to people of experience and wisdom and um, prophetic qualities of humility, um, etc., so that one remains safe, right? Because the, the what what the the source of all harm in 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 life is ego, right? And if you don't know, there's a saying in Arabic that nafsuka hayya madumta hayya, that your 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 ego is a snake, a hayya, as long as you remain alive. So if you don't know that you have a snake within, you're going to get bitten by it, right? And that service that you do, so uh, whether it be in knowledge or in activism, it can end up harming you and being a source of harm for others rather than benefit, right? And for that, one of the things that's... So it's important to remain in consultation with teachers and mentors uh, meaningfully and to always consult um, especially before anything new, anything big, it's your first media appointment. Don't say, okay, how do I do this? Consult, right? Consult. And consult people who will give you practical advice, but also uh, consult those who would give you spiritual direction and priority. Sometimes it can just be a good friend. And the other thing is, always nurture your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because ultimately, that's what it's about. Right? Why, are you serve, why are you doing anything? It's to seek the pleasure of Allah. So you have to, and they say, the more... You are serving the more you have to be engaging in, in, in spiritual work because the more you are in need of ensuring your sincerity and your intent. Wallahu alam. What advice would you give the, the young and aspiring student of knowledge, Faraz Rabani? It's one of, um, there's a female scholar who advised long ago. She said, you know, that keep in mind that. The journey of knowledge is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, and the key to that is just consistency. Right? Just that. Be clear of what your purpose is, and pursue it with with consistency. Don't rush. Right? And don't try to just figure things out. Always consult. Right? And many people. Some often we feel that consultation is somehow weak. I can figure this out myself. But consultation is actually strength. They say one of the main reasons why people who start, you know, who have startups, for example, they fail because they just try to sort of build it themselves. Anyone who's smart would look at those who've succeeded and they would try to emulate that success. They would model their actions after the actions of the successful. And you seek the advice, the mentorship of those who are successful. And that applies in worldly matters. In, in your career, you want to get ahead, emulate those who are successful, right? Um, seek their advice, develop mentorship relationships, right? And this will help you. Right? This will um, help you in worldly terms, and it applies a fortiori in religious terms. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, we'd appreciate if you left us a review on iTunes and Google Play. Help Seekers Hub spread the light of guidance to millions around the world by supporting us through monthly donations by going to seekershub.org slash donate. Your donations are tax deductible in the U.S. and Canada.